Chapter 64 The Gain and Loss At-Taghabun In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. Everything in the heavens and on earth praises God. Unto Him belong the kingdom and all praise. He has power over all things. Based on statistical calculations, date of revelation for this chapter is sometime during the seventh and eighth years of the Prophet's ministry, when Muslims were in total boycott in a valley outside Mecca. Exiled from their homes and under extreme hardship and hunger caused the children and elderly great sufferings. Muslims eventually found relief from this calamity. Nevertheless, several people who had become extremely weak and frail passed away during this time. Among them were Prophet's strongest and most loyal supporters, Khadija, Prophet's wife, and his influential uncle, Abu Talib. This chapter contains verses on keeping faith, trusting in God, and practicing benevolence. It is very difficult for someone who has lost everything and has watched loved ones starve to death to maintain such practices. However, it is precisely at this time that trusting God becomes meaningful, for only the truly devout can remain faithful and obedient to God and His Prophet when facing such profound stress and pressure. The first four verses of this chapter discuss monotheism, for overcoming life's difficulties and challenges requires knowledge of God and a strong basis for faith. Everything in the heavens and on earth praises God. Praises is in the present tense, which signifies that the act remains continuous and ongoing. The particle everything, which is far more comprehensive than the word everyone, means that this is not limited only to living creatures. But what does it mean for all things to praise God? Praise means to rectify faults and to cleanse, or to glorify someone or something as being free of faults, shortcomings, or flaws. In terms of the world, everything and everyone has a specific purpose. For example, the countless number of insects and many types of fish fulfill a role. In fact, their extinction would cause a disturbance in our ecosystem and the universe as a whole. It is commonly known how intricately nature functions with such great harmony. Every minute part of this great, complex system is extremely important. Thus, if people are striving and sacrificing to please God and enduring difficulties to obey Him, they are also praising Him by being in harmony with every particle of the universe. To Him belongs the kingdom, as God is the only one who has true sovereignty 
and ownership over the world, to him, is mentioned first to stress this monopoly and exclusivity. He has power over everything. God is omnipotent, has dominion over all things, and is perfect in everything. The first verse of this chapter introduces God and reminds the believers that they are striving in His cause. The second verse shifts the focus from the higher divine plane to that of our lower, earthly and human one. It is He who created you, yet some of you are disbelievers, while some are believers. God sees all that you do. As people can be believers or disbelievers is a clear indication that we have free will. Faith is truly the greatest privilege bestowed upon humans, but there is no compulsion in it. The Creator of the universe has endowed us with dignity by giving us the option to work and grow and has made it clear that doing so is to our advantage. And because He is omniscient, He can see all that we do and is fully aware of who is working and who is not. He created the heavens and earth for a true purpose. He formed you and made your forms the best and the most beautiful. To Him is the final destination. The universe has not been created in vain and it has a purpose. Initially, life had a simple form because the first living creatures were made up of single cells. However, life gradually evolved into the most complex form, being human beings. This formation and evolution occurred in the best and most beautiful means possible, as any study of the human body and its various parts and organs shows his magnificent creation in every minute detail. To him is the final destination. As such, the journeying in this world and its evolution is ultimately to God. Since God is infinite perfection, the world is moving toward perfection. All things face toward him and directed toward the same final destination. He knows what is in the heavens and earth. He knows what you conceal and what you reveal. God knows what is contained in your hearts. Only God knows what is in the darkest corners of our thoughts and the deepest recesses of our souls. The discussion on monotheism ends here, as though it was necessary to convey a message to the boycotted Muslims to have complete faith in God's infinite power and knowledge. The Quran also reminds us that God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and omniscient. This chapter's second part, starting by the next verse, addresses prophethood. O oh, disbelievers, have you not heard stories about those who disbelieved before you? They tasted the evil consequences of their conduct. 
a painful torment awaits them. Have you not read history? Do you not know what your ancestors did? Are you unaware of how previous generations tasted the fruit of their misdeeds? God did not punish them. Rather, they saw and felt the results of their own deeds. As the saying goes, they reap what they sow. If we worship idols made of stone or wood, or one of his creations, even his prophet or saints, we have turned away from him and clearly depart from the divine order. But why are such people punished? This is because their messengers kept coming to them with clear signs. Yet they said, Should we take guidance from mere mortals? Thus, they disbelieved and turned away. But God had no need for them. He is self-sufficient. Ghani, worthy of all praise. Hamid, is a man like us going to guide us? If God wanted to guide us, why didn't he send down angels? This man is no different from the rest of us. Historically, people have found it unbelievable that a human being would be God's messenger and trustee. As a result, they disbelieved and turned away from the truth. Of course, God does not need them, and they do him no harm by turning away. He is self-sufficient and does not need humans or their faith in him. And he is worthy of all praise, the one to whom all appreciation and gratitude belongs, whether those who offer praise know it or not. This was the part about prophethood. What follows is the last part, resurrection. The disbelievers claim that they will not be raised from the dead. Say, O prophet, yes, indeed, by my Lord, you will be raised, and then you will be informed about everything you have done, an easy matter for God. Those who disbelieved and hid the truth, including the unbelieving Quraysh, who boycotted the Muslims, thought that they would never be resurrected. They thought that this world is all there is and that we live on it for a while and then die, with nothing to happen afterward. The rest of the verse means that you will most certainly be informed of your deeds and their consequences. Even though you forget what you did yesterday, on that day you will see all of your thoughts, deeds and words and understand why you did them. This may seem unlikely, but it is an easy thing for God to do. So believe in God, in His Messenger, and in the light we have sent down. God is fully aware, Khabir, of what you do. The verse uses Khabir, which means knowledgeable of details. He is aware of every blink of an eye, every smile, and every fleeting glance. If people know that they are under scrutiny throughout their life and that thousands of cameras and recording devices are focusing upon them, 
shouldn't they be mindful of what they are doing? When he gathers you for the day of assembly, that will be a day of gain and loss, taghabun. He will cancel the sins of those who believed in him and acted righteously. He will admit them into gardens graced with flowing streams, there to remain forever. This is the supreme triumph, al-fawzul azim, the day of assembly, the time of resurrection, the day when it becomes clear who won and who lost. The first group, which chose the path of truth, are the winners. The second group comprises the losers. The metaphor of gardens graced with flowing streams refers to heaven and cannot be taken literally. This verse uses an analogy to refer to this earthly life and to say that those who emerged unscathed by the perils of sin and temptations have been victorious and successful. But those who disbelieved and rejected our signs will be the inhabitants of the fire. What an evil destination! Conversely, those who did not see the truth and denied our revelations are condemned to eternal damnation in the fire of hell. It is truly unfortunate that some choose this way instead of striving to enter the garden of paradise. The next verse may seem unrelated to the previous ones. However, reading it in the historical context mentioned above shows that this is not the case. No calamity befalls one but with God's permission. Whoever believes in God, he guides his heart. God knows all things. Although hardship is from God, our God-given free will allows us to abide by or to disregard the order of the universe. If we drink poison, we will die, because that is the nature of poison. These are all a result of the natural laws that give order to our universe and do not negate our free will. Therefore, these verses remind believers that God is always aware of them and that such hardships should be expected, as well as that your individual trials, tribulations, and pressures enable you to grow and objectively prove yourself to Him. These hardships which are inherent in the nature of humanity and the very fabric of our universe ultimately result in some people being successful. But since God ordains everything, the Quran says that the heart of those who know and have faith in Him will be enlightened and understand that the world does not bow to their whims just because they are Muslim. Obey God and His Messenger. But if you turn away, then the duty of our Messenger is only to convey the message clearly. This verse commands, Obey God and His Messenger, during times of ease and hardship. We prove our faith by remaining steadfast in both instances. Note that this verse is commanding us to obey Prophet Muhammad in his capacity as the Messenger. In other words, obeying God is also obeying the messenger who has brought his teachings and commandments and, therefore, 
obeying the Prophet, means following the Quran. The verse continues by saying to the believers that if you return to what you did before and disobey the Prophet, his only duty is to convey God's clear message to you in a manner that you can understand. Thus, he will neither prevent you from exercising your free will nor insult or threaten you. God, there is no God except Him, so let the faithful put their trust in Him. Humans have no other support and shelter other than God. If we turn away from Him, where are we to turn? There is no other deity other than God. If someone is a believer, they should only rely on Him. The phrasing of the verse is such that it stresses the exclusivity of relying and trusting God and God alone. Believers, even among your spouses and your children, you have some enemies, so beware of them. But if you pardon them, overlook their offenses and forgive them, then God is all-forgiving, ghafoor, all-merciful, rahim. As mentioned, the family members of the boycotted Muslims would urge them to leave the Prophet and come home. They would cast doubt on his prophethood and question whether God would have left Muhammad to his own means in that barren valley if he were a true prophet. Thus, the Muslims find themselves between the Prophet who is calling upon them to remain steadfast and their non-Muslim family members who are calling upon them to renounce it. Here, Muslims are being cautioned about how listening to their loved ones may endanger their faith. The reference to enemies does not mean malice or animosity, but rather that they may inadvertently move the Muslims towards disbelief. As such, the verse informs them to be cautious and aware that they are being tested that they should not allow their emotions to distance them from God. The rest of the verse says, God wants the believers to pardon them and overlook their discord, even though they may have rejected Islam and opposed the believers. The verse ends by reminding us of two of his names, Ghafoor, forgiving, and Rahim, merciful, who among us is without sin and has never done wrong? Yet, we continually seek his mercy and forgiveness. As such, we are to emulate these qualities while interacting with those who have wronged us. Therefore, believers are to choose the right path regardless of the situation in which they find themselves, for such behavior may guide the non-believers to the right path. Moreover, resorting to harshness and violence will only drive people further away from the faith, for they will think that Islam teaches them to react in such a way. God commands the believers to be tolerant and kind, even with those who denounce the very religion that He has revealed. Your wealth and your children are only a test, whereas God, alone, has a great reward.
We are constantly being tested as long as we live to see if we are true followers of the truth. This verse reveals that some of our tests are our wealth, spouse, and children. Are we so bound to them that we will succumb to our emotions? Or are we liberated from such ties? Believers should not validate or accept a thought, belief, or theory just because of their emotional attachment to someone. This verse reminds them that they are being tested and, as such, should not be enslaved by their love, emotions, and friendships. Finally, the verse mentions that they will receive a great reward for all of the sacrifices they are making in this world. So, be mindful of God as much as you can. Listen, obey, and be charitable. It is for your own good. And whoever is saved from his own greed, they are the successful ones. There are four admonitions here. Be mindful of God, taqwa, listen, obey, and be charitable. Given that we are continuously being tested by wealth and family, we must first keep God in mind. Taqwa means to constrain oneself and restrain our desires. Second, we are commanded to listen not merely with our ears, but to seek understanding. Third, we should obey God and the Prophet at all times. And lastly, we are commanded to spend in God's cause by helping others even when we are facing hardship. At a time when people are impoverished and in need, as was the case with these boycotted Muslims, the wealthy must share what they have. God reminds us that this is when we should restrain ourselves and resist giving in to our temptations and selfishness. Given that this is a very difficult issue, people who do so and maintain their self-control are successful and shall prosper. If you make a goodly loan to God, he will multiply it for you and forgive you, for God is appreciative and forgiving. This verse should be considered in its above-mentioned historical context, although it equally applies to all Muslims today. The obligation to give a goodly loan means to allocate a part of one's wealth for good, something that pleases God. This verse uses an interesting and surprising expression, alone to God and not to our fellow Muslims. This request is made by God, the very one who bestowed wealth upon us in the first place. It also promises that God will repay us several times over and forgive us our wrongs. Furthermore, He is patient and forbearing. We are unaware that since God has entrusted us with these possessions that we should not hesitate to share them with others if he asks us to do so, and yet our egotistical selves resist doing what is right. He knows the unseen, غيب, as well as the seen, 
Shahada. He is the Almighty, the Wise, Hakim. The universe has two sides, that which is seen and experienced by us, namely the evidenced world, Shahada, and the unseen realm, Ghaib, such as atoms, extremely distant galaxies, or angels. God is Almighty and has absolute power and dominion. Given that the powerful usually oppress all others, the Quran also refers to God as Hakim, meaning that whatever he does is due to his wisdom as opposed to any desire to oppress us. As a final note, even though this commentary took the verse's historical context into account, their meaning, lessons, and values transcend that particular time frame. As long as humans exist, these issues will remain pertinent. Therefore, our trials continue, and we are still expected to give a goodly loan. Trust and obey God, and believe in monotheism, the resurrection, and prophethood. If you want to benefit from the Quran, consider yourself its audience.